from UNH Cooperative Extension. This is Overinformed on IPM. Listen back to our previous episodes on brown marmorated stink bug before you jump into this one. If you do, you'll hear me kicking back and letting Nicole Quinn do my job for me, explaining the basics on this invasive pest. I'm going to go ahead and do that again and let Nicole explain her work studying a teeny tiny non-stinging parasitic wasp from Asia. You want to step back and tell the whole samurai wasp story from the beginning, and then kind of yeah. Yeah, so samurai wasp, um, Trisulcus japonicus is the name. It's a, a parasitoid of stink bugs. Um, it really likes brown marmorated stink bugs specifically in their native range. Um, what it does is it attacks the eggs of the stink bug, and by that I mean it lays its eggs within the stink bug eggs. And then a parasitoid comes out instead of the stink bugs. That's what like parasitization is. It's basically, it's really similar to predation functionally, I would say. You know, like it kills it completely. So it's not a parasite. It's a parasitoid, so it kills the host rather than living with it. Um, in the native range, samurai wasps actually kill uh, about 80% of, or they're found to parasitize about 80% of wild egg masses of brown marmorated stink bugs, so it's very effective. After brown marmorated stink bug invaded here, obviously there was a lot of interest in defining these effective natural enemies of brown marmorated stink bug from their native range. Um, and this is kind of one of the, the principal underpinnings of what they call classical biological control. You know, the idea is that the reason why invasive pests are a problem is they come to a new area where they don't have any of their natural enemies and the environmental conditions are right and they flourish because there aren't any checks on their population. So um, by going to their native range and finding out what attacks them there, the idea is that you can identify those insects or, you know, whatever attacks that it is, bring them to the invasive range, release them, and um, even it out. So... The other question we, I always get about biocontrol is like, well, will this get rid of the stink bugs? And the answer is, is no. Like, it, you know, even in their native range, there still are stink bugs. There's just not as many. So they found this parasitoid and they uh, brought it to the U.S. to test it in quarantine um, for host specificity testing, which means you want to make sure there's not, too, not uh, an unacceptable risk of non-target effects. You don't let this... Uh, introduced natural enemy to attack something that you don't expect or attack something that you do expect too much. I'm going to jump in here, not so much to explain something any better than Nicole did, but to put some historical context into host specificity testing of classical biological control agents. I've lived in many areas of the country and pretty much everywhere um, has some kind of urban myth about the origins of Asian multicolored lady beetles. You probably know this beetle. Um, it's Harmonia axaritis. It's the, the lady beetle that comes into your house in the winter. People have heard the government was to blame that this university or, or that university did it, that they released it. There's a whole lot of finger pointing going on and a lot of muttering under the breath as our, our nation's vacuum cleaners remove lady beetle carcasses from windowsills. But it's true, there, there have been some purposeful releases and, of course, some accidental introductions of Harmonia collected from outside the U.S. And, and this has been going on for more than 100 years. The first releases occurred in California in 1916. The more recent purposeful release was a USDA program back in the late 70s to manage an aphid crisis in wheat. Wheat is okay now, but 
releasing such a voracious predator had many negative repercussions. And not just in our nation's windowsills, but on native lady beetle populations who were outcompeted in many circumstances, sometimes even preyed upon by Harmonia. Furthermore, there's a uh, few examples of crop damage due to Harmonia feeding. When they run out of aphids and other small insects to eat, sometimes they, they do turn on fruit crops. Nowadays, we, we just don't do area-wide releases of generalist predators like this. There's, there's plenty of examples of where this was successful, but it's, it's not a risk that we're willing to take. The potential for negative non-target impacts outweighs the potential benefit. So you might ask yourself, what are the potential negative impacts of killing sting bugs? That's, that's a good one. Back to Nicole. So the example I gave of the spine soldier bug um, is actually a natural, and it's a stink bug, but it actually eats a lot of other pests in the US. Um, it's a very important natural enemy in various other systems, especially, you know, things like soybean and some other crops. And so there's a lot of, there was a lot of concern about potentially introducing a natural enemy that could harm biocontrol in these other systems. Cause you want, you want things to be in balance as much as possible. And so basically they did those no choice testing and found all the no choice testing and found that, you know, Trisomus japonicus, samurai wasp will attack a lot of stink bugs. <laughs> in the lab anyway, in these little, little tiny vials where they don't have any other options. But if you put them in dual, what they call dual choice testing, so you put, you know, bromoroid stink bug egg mass in a vial along with a pedicis stink bug egg mass, um, and then you put a parasitoid in there and you let it choose, um, usually it will choose bromoroid stink bug like the vast majority of the time. And this is true of pretty much all of the natives or the U.S. stink bugs that they tested. They do other measures too to kind of see how how this um, parasitoid would perform under different scenarios and with different insects. And it's still in quarantine, or it's still hasn't been technically approved for release. So I don't want to jump the gun on that whole story. But they're testing it, and the testing looks good. It looks like it's pretty specific. While this is going on, people are monitoring for natural enemies of brown marmoset stink bug that are here in the U.S. already. So you know, like native parasitoids and things like that, and predators, and trying to see if maybe some of those can basically step up and provide some more control. <laughs> Incidentally, when they did this, um, they actually found uh, this the Trisolcus japonicus, the samurai wasp, emerged from, a, from an egg mass that they put out as a sentinel egg. I'm going to jump in here again because this incidental introduction of the samurai wasp or Trisulcus japonicus, actually the scientists that know it really well call it TJ. This incidental TJ introduction was a real fly in the ointment for the folks who had brought this insect from Asia to quarantine facilities in the mid-Atlantic. Did they accidentally release an organism without proper non-target testing? What happened here? Nicole will explain, but that also raises the question, how do you know if a teeny tiny parasitic wasp is out hunting where you live or, or where BMSB lives? There's a few ways. If you know the species you're looking for, you can use yellow sticky cards. All sorts of insects are attracted to the yellow color and they get themselves stuck to these cards. You can take these cards back to the lab. Well, first you get a whole bunch of training on how to identify parasitic wasp species. Then you take these cards back to the lab, look under a microscope and try to find the species that you're interested in. It's a real needle in a haystack situation. If you don't know what you're looking for, if you just want to know what is attacking the eggs of a pest species that you're interested in, you get yourself a colony of that insect, you produce a ton of eggs, and you use sentinel egg masses to census the egg parasitoids in your neighborhood. Back to Nicole. So what a sentinel egg is, to explain, it's a Basically, a, an egg mass that you put on a piece of cardstock, 
usually there's a piece of double-sided tape that holds it in some sand that um, makes it so the parasite doesn't get stuck to the tape. Because the other thing is parasites are very small. You know, it's about the size of like a, a poppy seed or, you know, like a period at the end of a sentence. I would say some of them are, they're, some of them, some parasitoids in general can be bigger, but usually they're tiny. So anyway, so they have these sentinel egg masses they put out. They put out one of these egg masses and they bring them back into the lab and wait to see if something will happen, if something will emerge. What they found was that this Trisophus japonicus actually emerged from one of these egg masses. And again, they had not released the samurai wasp here in the U.S. at all. Um, this was just, they happened to be monitoring for some of these other parasitoids that might be out there and they found this. And so there was a lot of, uh, you know, excitement and some, you know, mild concern that people wanted to make sure that uh, it hadn't escaped from a lab or something, but they did DNA testing and they found that microsatellite data, the DNA was different enough from the lab colony that it, it was not from a lab colony. So it found its own way here accidentally, just like the stink bug did. No one knows how or when or why. Um, people really do think that it happened. Um, it wasn't one of those things where it had been here for a long time because there had been a lot of monitoring of natural enemies and they basically they found this parasitoid and so that kind of changed changed everything you know biocontrol of brown rumored stink bug here in the u.s and so there um, a lot of research programs really began to focus on this parasitoid what was interesting was that really only detected at first in in one state so it was detected first in maryland but then it subsequently was detected uh in a lot of other states so every year a few more states get added to this map this would be another map that i would have this was a presentation but basically, it, it's in many of the states where primary stink bug is found at this point. Now, Nicole and I had a much longer conversation about how we would go about looking for TJ if we wanted to know if it has made its way up to New Hampshire. An important thing to know about both BMSB, BMSB eggs, and the egg parasitoid is that you're much more likely to find them way up high in the tree canopies. I highly recommend taking a look at some of the sampling strategies deployed by Nicole and her colleagues. They rigged pulley systems and stuck long bamboo poles up in wooded borders of the orchards. There were even entomologists running around with bucket trucks, all to get a better sense of population dynamics of these bugs. Not easy work. But something I was naturally curious about was how our winter weather up here in New Hampshire might influence TJ. So I know that we don't know a lot about the biology of the wasp, but my, fir my first question, being up in a cold climate and thinking more cold climate now, is it's an egg parasitoid um, and, and the stink bug overwinters as an adult. So do we know how the wasp overwinters? It is thought to overwinter as an adult, but no one has ever found it overwintering. Um, there's another species uh, in Asia that they've, they've recovered overwintering under tree bark. Anyway, there's another species in Asia that has been found overwintering under tree bark. I think that Trisophus japonicus probably does the same thing. We tried to do some lab studies to see if there were different overwintering substrates that Trisophus japonicus liked. There were so many issues with that study. Like, I, I don't know. I think someone needs to work on that some more. 
I personally have a lot of experience failing at keeping insects alive in overwintering studies, so I have a lot of sympathy here. However, I do hope somebody picks up on this question, both because it will be a tremendous scientific feat, and because I want to know if nature will take its course on this invasive pest before it becomes a big problem in New Hampshire. Peter Yench has been busy with a project releasing TJ with the help of a big citizen science project. For more on this, you should definitely check out his blog. There are several other potential organisms that people are looking into that might be important natural enemies as well. Shout out to Anne Hayek's lab at Cornell. They are studying a microsporidian infection that might be working to naturally knock back BMSB outbreaks in, in eastern North America. More to come in this area. But I asked Nicole how confident I should be that natural enemies will do our pest management jobs for us. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like I, the idea with this parasitoid is that um, it, hopefully it will reduce the stink bug population enough that over time um, it, it will become less of a problem. And by that, I mean, um, it will cause less injury to, to crops and that over time, um, that means ultimately the growers can spray less, um, which is what the public a lot of times is kind of interested in is, you know, how does, what does this mean at the end of the day? It means that um, it'll be easier for growers to run their operations and there'll be less um, pesticides and things like that going into the environment. That's it for now. Thanks to Nicole Quinn of USGA ARS and thanks to all of you who have stuck it out with me on this BMSB adventure. I really took the name of this podcast seriously on the topic of BMSB. And a special thanks to Jason Lightbound, who wrote and performed our theme music. Informed on IPM is a production of University of New Hampshire Cooperative Extension, an equal opportunity educator and employer. All music is used by permission or by Creative Commons licensing. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of the university, its trustees, or its volunteers. Inclusion or exclusion of commercial enterprises in this podcast does not equate endorsement. The University of New Hampshire, New Hampshire counties, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture cooperate to provide extension programming in the Granite State. Learn more at extension.unh.edu.